much attention to them anymore because we now get the weather on our phones. We don't have to wait till the news comes on. It's already like in our pants. So as a result, <laughs> weather is totally unnecessary on television. Now, you might as well be announcing what time it is. Instead of like a map, you might as well put a big clock up on the wall and say, hey, it's 814. In about 16 minutes, we're looking at a chance of 830. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple of quick texts for you before Joe gets serious on us. Stand by. Uh, dang, I was hoping for a darker, more gritty version of the iPhone. <laughs> I appreciate that. We always get these, putting it out there for you, for, the, for that crowd. So the new Apple X can do what my Samsung has done for years. We always get that, so satisfy you. Yeah, but it's an Apple, so it's better. Exactly. All right. And I didn't hear about it till it became an Apple. Uh, at the USA Apple Whose facility. Whose fault is that? What's that tone of voice? Explain yourself, sir. Explain oh. yourself. I'm an Apple elitist. Oh. <laughs> at the USA Apple facility, they just sit around writing checks to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, that's what they do in that big building. Yeah, yeah good shot. Solid. <laughs> what about waterproof? Is the iPhone waterproof? You know, that is an advance I'm waiting for. I know there are phones out there that are, but man, the waterproof phone would be cool. Samsung, for instance. Eh, well, I want an iPhone that does it. Because of the aforementioned elitism. Exactly. Because <laughs> of the elitism. <laughs> right. So that's exactly. Nice. So we're talking about the opioid uh, epidemic um, once again yesterday and where the pills come from. Talking about uh, Trinity County in California where there are about a third again more uh, opioid prescriptions than there are humans. Had a number of people who point out that uh, there are scant medical facilities there, and um, uh, they all come from Shasta County, and uh, in particular, Redding, the beautiful Ding. Um, boy, got a lot of good stuff. I'm scrolling. Coming there yeah, for, the doc- for the particular doctors? Because um, they got loose doctors? Well, f- for reasons both legitimate and illegitimate. Um, but the point is, that's where they come from. Anyway, I uh, got a lot of uh, reaction to it via the email. Um, just some some yins and yangs. Guys, I've been on all sides of this issue, writes Al or Aileen Anonymous. When I was a teenager, a friend of mine had found an OxyContin prescription his dad had from being in multiple car crashes and had back issues. He didn't take them very often, which allowed us to steal some to sell. We had so many customers, we actually had to find a bigger supply of them. What we found was that most people with chronic pain problems didn't actually need to take them often, but being that many were on disability, they would sell their prescriptions to us for some extra money, and we'd find people to buy them. Eventually, eventually me and a number of my friends became addicted to pills. Luckily, I was able to kick the addiction, but many of my friends weren't so lucky. At least four of my old friends have passed due to overdose, usually due to mixing pills with alcohol. Even more, have never been able to lead a normal life due to their addiction. Even though I know it's each res- individual's responsibility what they put in their body, for many of the friends I lost, it was a dumb childhood mistake that they could never recover from. Um, yeah, that's one of the questions I've, I've had uh, since this whole thing started. Is, is it mostly people that start with legitimate pain, get the pain pills and get hooked? Or is it people who are seeking <clears throat> drugs that they know will get them high? I could believe 30-70, 50-50, or 70-30 the other way. Right. I don't I, know. Yeah, it <clears> seems <throat> like something we ought to know, though, right? Uh, if, yeah. If it's not that often that people get hooked, they have legitimate pain and get hooked, well, then you know maybe you don't need to be so paranoid uh, about the whole being in pain thing if it's mostly people who are seeking getting high in the first place. Here's uh, another Al Anonymous. On the other hand, mm-hmm. obviously, 
if it's mostly people who started with legitimate pain, then we all ought to be extraordinary carefully, extraordinarily careful, and never take pain pills unless you're like moaning and and screaming. Can't sleep. Exactly. Well, and and the only way we'd get duped in that situation is if the drug companies cooked up fake research that showed that this stuff wasn't addictive. But they would never do that. (laughs) Nobody's in jail. Why? Mm. Al Nottoms writes, a couple of years ago, I went to my aunt's funeral in Distant City. Well, he says, Houston. I was going to guess Tucumcari. Mm, Wrong. Uh, Houston, met a bunch of family I didn't know. Oh, the stories. Anyway, <laughs> my cousin, who's a guy who'd do anything to make a buck, drove me around one day to about six mini-mall places, like places. Each one of these had at least one place with covered windows and an, op- and an open sign. I all see those were, now and then. All were pill mills. I've seen, I've seen those in strip malls before. They got, like, paper on the window? Yeah. And you wonder, what are they doing there? E- inside each was a doctor with... Desperate financial needs, either medical school bills or malpractice insurance, whatever. But legit doctors, a big pad of prescription paper and a pen. These doctors get paid per script. Not sure by who, but the bottom line was, hey, doc, I got now. Here's 50 bucks. All right, Mr. Patient, here's your prescription. My cousin admitted to ferrying a trunkload of pills from out of state eight times. Each trip netted him $20,000. His daughter's boyfriend, an 18-year-old, died of an OD, so he stopped smuggling pills. Uh, et cetera. Okay. Isn't the opioid epidemic uh, uh, cutting across socioeconomic barriers? Haven't I read that? So they say, but it's more, you know, your lower classes. <laughs> what is mm-hmm. that? People who don't use Apple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's uh, uh, Alien Anonymous. Hey, guys, look into dog owners intentionally injuring their pets to get tramadol. Oh, my Common God. Common and awful. No way. Way. Oh, you got to jail those people. No kidding. Holy cow. How 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 do you not how do you not have a moment of clarity at some point and think, oh, my God, I just injured my pet so I could get pain pills? Not in my stomach. Yeah. That. Well, yeah. some people oh are my scumbags. God. Wow. They're are, uh, worthless. Um, let's see. Here's the other side of the coin. Um this is, you know, Congress famously, or, you know, government in, in general, I think, is guilty of this. As the old saying goes, uh, Congress does two things, uh, nothing and overreacting. And on that side of the coin, we have Amy. Uh, we moved to Colorado. If you have a real reason for needing a pain prescription in Colorado, you have to go to a pain clinic. You have to take drug tests. They are extremely restrictive. On the flip side, there are marijuana shops everywhere. My husband has MS and is bedridden. Because of his circumstances, his primary doctor prescribes his pain medicine for his MS nerve pain. When the clinic changed doctors, they wouldn't let the new doctor prescribe any pain medication. He's currently going cold turkey off morphine at home. In a few days, they'll see him at the pain clinic. Meanwhile, no ER would help because of the policies throughout Colorado. Every doctor agreed that my husband needed the medicine. They tried to talk their administration into letting him have pain medicine. Everyone said, no, no, we can't do that. They apologized and sent us home. I blame doctors over prescribing and drug abusers. It's gone from being too relaxed. Now, now it's ridiculous. Something must change. And as is usually the case, like with immigration, you can't have a computer programmer from India. He can't get into the country because they're screwing him on his paperwork. Right. You do it illegally, it's effortless. So it's the same thing with the drugs. You actually need them. They got all kinds of barriers. If you're if you're willing to be a criminal, it's effortless. We, that happens all the time. 
And we got this note from JB, who uh, has, uh, he suffered a catastrophic injury to his cervical spine. Oh, Lord. Uh, lives with chronic pain, and he's talking about the new patches that uh, distribute 10 micrograms of buprenorphine uh, per hour. Um, it's a it's a new technique. He wears multiple patches, etc. Uh, so that's a leap forward, which is good. And also, um, oh my gosh, I can't find it. A buddy of mine works for a medical uh, equipment company, and they have um some new devices. I think it has to do with like nerve stimulation or something, um, to help manage pain. That's a real leap forward. I'm trying to find it. I can't find it. But um, anyway, there are new things coming down the line, but uh, there are millions and millions and millions of dollars. Oh, my company makes a neurostimulator that masks pain. It's an alternative to opioids for those who suffer from chronic pain. Business is exploding. There you go. But, you know, the companies that are making zillions of dollars, getting you addicted and killing people and the rest of it will keep that down. They'll probably buy it out. Who knows? Got a couple of texts. My sister-in-law was given opiates after childbirth seven years ago. Has been addicted ever since. It's a daily nightmare. After childbirth. Wow. I got pills. Another one. I got pill. I have MS. I got pills from a doctor. Feel good. Took two years to get off. You know, part of it, and I've never heard anybody bring this up. I only know this because I remember talking about it years ago and we got some texts. I took Avicodin when I got my wisdom teeth out. It made me feel like jittery and bad. I didn't mm. know what it was going to make me feel like. Made me feel jittery and bad. I didn't want to take it because it made me feel bad. Other people take them, and they immediately feel better than they've ever felt in their life. Mm. So we react, apparently, physiologically, we react differently to these things. And if you if you get the, whoa, this is freaking awesome, well, you're a pretty good candidate for getting hooked. Yeah. If you're a, this makes me feel disgusting, it makes me feel gross, it makes me feel bad, yeah. you're probably not. And you don't have much say in that. No, I don't. I haven't heard much about that. Well, you know, it's just the people on the margins. If you kind of sort of need to take them, it's pretty painful, and you have that euphoric reaction. Yeah, man, run for the hills, head for the hills. Well, I know the same as with booze. I think it's the greatest feeling in the world, and then you know, so I was off to the races. I've known people. You know, I drink; it makes me feel a little dizzy. I don't like it. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? <laughs> That's the wall. you got to break through that. The goodness is on the opposite side of dizzy. Try again. Here, drink this. <laughs> but yeah, I took a Viking and I was like, like, ugh, why would you want to do this? But other people, first Viking, woohoo! I want to do this again. Yeah. So what do you do about that? It should be nice if there'd be a test they could do or something. I took You're some... the euphoria person with opioids. You're right. not. Right, exactly. You're, you're type B. Yeah. Typo. Stay away. I don't know anything about that. So, needs to be studies on that. You know, I'm off the sauce right now for uh, reasons I could talk about, but aren't very interesting. Uh, at least the not old yet. sauce. I, I, I'm desaucifying. How and, long uh, uh, have you been off? Doesn't matter. Um, but I, uh, I expected to wake up feeling a lot better. I still feel like crap. I thought it'd be like night and day, so to speak. <laughs> I still That's feel hilarious. like I just woke up and I'd rather remain in bed. Yeah. I feel stiff and groggy and, and, and uncooperative. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I thought I'd be leaping out of bed with a song in my heart, <laughs> smile on my face, and gleam in my eye. So this is what I actually feel like every day. It's not much better. Oh, that's a drag. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We'd be interested in your experiences. Um, 
for better or worse. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is the new Taylor Swift. It's not very catchy. It's not fun. It's not. Give it a minute. It doesn't make me want to dance around like a teenage girl. (laughs) Unfortunate. Cheryl Crow on Charlie Rosier Night said there's something liberating about not having to write for 13 year old girls anymore. (laughs) Although her new album's supposed to be all about our difficult political times. Oh, Lord. Makes me Go back to writing for little girls. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather rather hear pop than that. Is Taylor Swift uh, angry at somebody in that song? Kanye. Oh, Kanye. And possibly Uh, Katy Perry. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Everybody with a name that starts with K. They've mad got at, a mad at Ken Burns as well. Angry at koalas. <laughs> They've got a 140-ton fatberg stuck in the London sewer. A what? They're calling it the fatberg. Fat. Oh, uh, like an iceberg, but with fat. Yeah, but it's it's, <laughs> Thank it's, you. it's really more about the um, the wet wipes, the whole wet wipe thing. Ah, yeah, it's a problem. Cities and 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 individuals. <laughs> I've spent an inordinate amount of money to have my. Uh, a little tank pumped out a couple of times, but I'm unwilling to give up my habit. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, Problem is not the uh, the wipes. It's the cities. Figure out what to do with them. We like them. Yeah, they're, they're signed humanity. We should stop, but we're probably not going to. I'm not stopping. Um, I've gotten the uh, the bidet installed, the bidet uh, toilet seat at home. Oh, please. Really? I feel like a king. Is there yeah. a temperature control on that? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Water pressure, all sorts of controls. Do you s- Customized for your comfort, sir. Do you still use wet or, wipes? Or, madam, nope. No, you're off the wet nah, wipes. Nah, no need for them. Okay. Maybe that's the solution. Joe I've gives us all of a day. British engineers say they've launched a sewer war against a giant blob clogging London's sewer that they call the Fatberg. Show hands. Anybody want to hear the rest of this? No, I, no hands. Michael, put your hand down. The size of it is pretty extraordinary. Oh, boy. 275 yards long, weighs as much as 11 double-decker buses. <laughs> oh. It's a 143-ton oh boy. blob that's oh boy. blocking the sewer. Oh, boy. Consisting of congealed wet wipes, diapers, fat, and oil. So, there you go. That's gross. Oh, yeah. You know what else is gross? A grown man married with a child sexting a teenage girl. We speak, of course, of Anthony Weiner. Mm. So his teenage accuser is out making the rounds, huh? She did an interview. Yeah, I read an article the other day. Saw saw a picture of her. Yeah, yeah. And this could be what brought what, what Hillary thinks. This uh, Anthony Weiner brought her down. He, she, he, he is one of eight. Different people, the New York Daily News, which is a liberal paper, snurdly, uh, one of 18 people they've identified as Hillary blaming. But she says the new Wiener uh, revelations toward the end of the campaign halted her momentum. Certainly could have. It was a close election. Um, could have been the difference. Who knows? But so this uh, this girl who was uh, under the age of 18, she was like 15 or 16 at the time, right? I believe 15 at the time, yeah. Who's she speaking to here? Uh, this is with Inside Edition. It's the 60 minutes for stupid people. <laughs> so let's uh, let's roll a little of it, see what we think, and we'll, uh, we'll pause and play and stop as, as desired. In her new book, Out Tomorrow, Hillary Clinton what? says oh, her defeat sorry, in the ahead. presidential race can be blamed in part... On the FBI reopening its investigation of Can her you emails. Pause it? I thought she was going to say the teenage girl right. is writing a book. Look, I'm pro First Amendment, but government's got to stop and step in there, right? Say, I'm sorry, you don't get to write a book. All right, go ahead, sir. Just days before the election, and that can be attributed to this young lady. 
When she was 15, she received lewd messages and pictures from disgraced former Congressman Anthony Weiner, whose wife was Clinton's right-hand aide, Huma Abedin. Now, in this Inside Edition exclusive, the teenage girl speaks with our Diane McInerney. She's the teenager whose online relationship with Anthony Weiner threw Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign into a tailspin and perhaps changed the course of American history. By the way, and I don't know if I'm stealing thunder from this interview, but remember Anthony Weiner said fairly recently uh, when he was begging forgiveness that he knew she was underage. Mm -hmm. That that wasn't an accident, which is fairly key to the whole thing. Pretty pervy. Now she's ready to tell her story to the world. How would you describe these messages? Um, Disgusting. Did he know that you were only 15 years old? Yes, he did. Inside Edition is withholding her name because she's a minor. She's showing her face on TV for the first time with the permission of her father. How did you first dad! come into contact Hey, with Dad, Anthony? what's your theory on that? You know what would be good for my underage teenage daughter is to become uh, a celebrity for sexting with Congress people. This could only make her life better. Let me think. An international sex and politics story, and she's a teenager. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Wow. But it's weird. So they're they're not revealing her name, but they show her face. He's on the right. story later, but his face isn't shown. And I'm sure, it took the, I'm sure it took the internet about 10 seconds to figure out who she is. Some high school friend posts her name. Sure, of course. Yeah. With the permission of her father. How did you first come into contact with Anthony Weiner? It was through a direct message on the application Twitter. I just sent him a nice message, just, hello, I'm a huge fan. It was January 2016. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a huge fan of Anthony Weiner? Why? I like that. Where's that follow-up question? I think he was attracted to the fact that she uses the word application instead of app. I was using the Twitter application. Well, and, and you don't need to identify. It's like saying, I was driving a Chevrolet car. <laughs> on this is World Wide Web. Exactly. WWW. It was January 2016. Weiner's wife, Hillary Clinton's closest aide, Uma Abedin, was at the peak of her influence. On the campaign trail, she was always at Clinton's side. How soon did it go from these niceties to him taking it to a different level? I knew that it was going downhill and really fast. Weiner communicated with the teen on Twitter and Facebook, and also on the controversial social media sites Kick and Confide. Sometimes Weiner hid his identity using the screen name T-Dog. Shout out to (laughs) T-Dog. He called me attractive. You are kind of, sort of gorgeous, went one message from the former congressman. Your body is pretty insane. And this... Can I I pause this for a second? Should I say this or not? No, I'm almost always wrong when I just when I'm uh, trying to say. Oh boy! You're due to be right. She's in a teenage girl. (laughs) I'm I'm not. I'm due to be right. I'm not saying this to be mean, and I know every teenage girl's dealing with how attractive I am or anything like that. But she's not a particularly attractive girl, which makes it somewhat stranger, doesn't it? That he's. That, he, that he's so desperate for an underage girl, your body's insane, and all that sort of stuff. What What is he doing? He's a predator and a perv. It's, it's very it strange. pretty insane. And this, I thought about you this AM. Some of his messages are so obscene, they can't be shown on television. Oh. He also sent her photos <laughs> showing him bare-chested. 
including a picture that the teenager found especially upsetting. What did you think when you saw that photograph that he sent with his young child? I was disgusted. That's part of the reason that I came forward. Did he ever talk to you about his wife? He did. One time, when the last time that they were sexually involved was, he said it had been a year. This is somebody who was a very powerful yeah. congressman at one point. Did it shock you that he's sending you these sexually explicit messages? Yes. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should turn him in. In September 2016, the FBI came knocking. They showed up at my house with a subpoena from New York. The FBI also had a subpoena for Anthony Weiner and confiscated all of his electronic devices, Ugh. including a laptop that was used by his wife, Uma Abedin. FBI agents found thousands of emails between Uma and Hillary Clinton. It was that discovery that led FBI Director James Comey to reopen the investigation into Clinton's private email server. The presidential election was just 11 days away. We never thought we were going to say thank you to Anthony Weiner. <laughs> Clinton oh says it was a blow from which her campaign never recovered. 11 days before the 11 election. 11 days before the election, and it raised the specter that somehow the investigation was being reopened. It just stopped my momentum. The teen's dad spoke to us on the condition that his face not be shown. What was your reaction when you found out that this 50-something-year-old man is preying on your young child? My instant reaction was to find him and destroy him. But then you think about your child and, and you want them to grow up with the Father. The teen says she finally feels comfortable talking about the remarkable role she played in the greatest upset in U.S. political history, the election of Donald Trump. I think it made people question Hillary Clinton. Interesting. Because Anthony Weiner sent you uh, bare-chested pics. And Uma Abedin let him uh, pull his email hijinks on her very laptop. There's classified material. Ask James Comey. <laughs> well, that's what that's a, what a sicko. No kidding. Go away and don't come back. Yeah. Have uh, the complete list of people Hillary blamed oh. in her book. Uh, awesome. Am I on that, that list yet? Before. You probably are. <laughs> Everybody else is. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, storm over the Equifax security breach still growing. Ted Cruz responding to this morning's porno dust-up. And we've got video of a UC cop taking a hot dog vendor's earnings, sparking viral outrage. Stories minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. God. Fire him and charge him with armed robbery. If he was wearing a sidearm and he took that money, that's armed robbery. Put him in jail. Mm. He's guilty. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Fanciest sports stadium in the world ever built. Levi's Stadium in San Francisco. Uh, people don't like it. There are not very many people going. They got a real problem. Well, just, you know, it's obviously not in San Francisco. I, it's the San Francisco right. team. Right. But uh, we yeah. hear from plenty of Niners fans who've noticed how far it is from San Francisco. That's probably part of it, and, yeah. And won't have any part of it. Let's get the news now, Marsha Phillips. Hey, outrage is growing over the massive Equifax security breach, exposing as many as 143 million Americans to identity theft. So far, 23 class action suits have been filed. 
people reporting difficulties getting through the company's call centers, including long waits, getting disconnected after they were waiting, and call center hours that don't match up the Equifax's own statements. Now, Monday, the company put out a statement saying that Hurricane Irma could be affecting some of its call center wait times. Some of them are located, the call centers are located in Florida and Georgia. But the company didn't uh, respond to a request from USA Today for more information about call centers. Critics say since Equifax knew when it was going to finally admit to a breach that happened in May and June, they should have been much better prepared to handle the crush of consumer calls. Unless part of their whole strategy is you get frustrated and give up, and then they don't have to deal with it anymore. What they were well prepared for, Marshall, was selling their stock, as we outlined earlier in the show, two days after the breach was uh, discovered, which was six weeks after the breach occurred. uh, Several of the top executives stole million... uh, Stole. I did it twice. That's twice today. I meant sold, but I said stole... My brain won't let me not say stole. They sold $2 million worth of stock. This is two days after the breach was discovered. 29 days after raking in the millions, they said, Oh, hey, uh, by the way, something, uh, all your info got hacked a while back. So uh, sorry about that. We'll nice. give you, These people are scum. We'll give you free service for a year. If you just click this long agreement, I wouldn't bother reading it. Right. It's just, you know, lawyer stuff. <clears throat> In which you agree to never sue them. So, yeah, they were sp- they spent time coming up with that clever scheme. Texas Senator Ted Cruz insists he was not behind the liking of a pornographic image by his official Twitter account overnight. Cruz says a, a staffer was likely to blame. Yeah, there are a number of people on the team that have access to the account. And it appears that someone inadvertently hit the like button. And why is he answering for this? Is there some concern that he's a uh, distributing pornography to the world or well, something? Well, he like? is. He's guilty. Yeah, you didn't Sick. know about that, and your dad didn't kill JFK. Oh, <laughs> great. You know, the only reason this Ted Cruz story is worth bringing up is to reset. And listen, I agree with Ted Cruz on, like, fiscal policy a lot. But his, like, social conservative stuff, I just can't go there. Here was his statement back when Texas was arguing about whether vibrators could be bought and sold in Texas. And I quote, There is no substantive due process right to stimulate one's genitals for non-medical purposes unrelated to procreation or outside of an interpersonal relationship. So he was arguing that there's no constitutional right to masturbate. Counterpoint, I disagree, sir. <laughs> What's the medical reason for stimulating your genital? I, I, I'm sure we could come up with one if we looked long enough. I don't think you. I don't think the government has any relationship with my genitals. Like a, at least not one that I've noticed. Like a contest? Like who's bigger or something? Is that medical? A contest. University of California police officer's decision to confiscate a vendor's money for selling hot dogs on a Berkeley sidewalk without a permit has sparked viral outrage. The video was shot Saturday by a customer whose food purchase was interrupted by the bust. Showed the officer going through the vendor's wallet and taking out the bills. This is Berkeley PD. Are you seeing Berkeley PD? And the judge can decide whether or not it's. Are you going to take his hard-earned money? People could drink on campus on on football games and no tickets, but a hard-working man. Selling hot dogs, earning a living, gets yeah. his money well, taken away on, and a ticket. He doesn't have a permit. Wow. The video of the incident outside of the Cal football game led to an online fundraising campaign for the vendor that so far has raised more than $36,000. Oh, wow. wow. 
Wow, uh, that cop can come over here and take my money if he wants. <laughs> yes. But in what sense is that not an armed robbery? What the hell? You don't get to administer the fine. What? What, what are the legalities here? How would you possibly think that's the way to handle that as a policeman? Well, the university announced it's going to launch an investigation into the incident while still defending the money seizure, saying the crackdown is really a matter of public health, interests of small public business... Health. Interests of small business and even human trafficking. Okay, well, yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. That's the basis for sure. the law. Yeah. That's not the basis for confiscating the guy's money on the spot. Sure, the way you handle that, of course, is you send him a notice saying you're being uh, fined or is this cease and desist or whatever legally they would do. And then either he's sponsor or don't, and he's fined or jailed. But you don't show up and take and take money out of his wallet. Is it some sort of civil forfeiture idea well, 60, that Berkeley's doing? The money was uh, it was taken uh, as evidence of the suspected proceeds of the violation and booked into evidence, but it's not clear how the officer oh, how the officer even knew whether the wallet's contents were entirely derived from sales. He just well, of emptied course he the didn't. guy's wallet. So anyway. The uh, fund raised more than $36,000. So it's, it's evidence. Yes, they're booking it as evidence. Okay, because, you know, if a guy was out there with a hot dog stand selling, hot dogs, get your hot dogs, and he didn't have money on him, then you couldn't prove that he was selling hot dogs. Okay. We got this text, and there's certain truth to that. Why are we outraged? Because he's Mexican. White people can't set up a table and sell hot dogs without a permit or open up restaurants out of vans. But uh, immigrant communities can do it, and we all like it. And there is some truth to that. Somebody, sure. somebody set up selling uh, Mexican food out of a uh, an old uh, Airstream trailer. I'm all for buying that. But if just, you know, a, a white guy, clearly a U.S. citizen, perfect English, just opens an ad hoc restaurant. Bologna sandwiches. <laughs> Get your bologna you, sandwiches. You think that's weird. Whitest white bread in town. Come you, on You now. can't just serve sandwiches out of a cooler right. sitting on the corner. <laughs> Again, but I, I think the fact that that out guy... Out in front needs, of a restaurant yeah. that sells sandwiches. Right. That guy needs a permit. That's crazy, too. I think it's up to the... If I don't, if I want to buy I a agree. bologna sandwich yeah. from a guy in a cooler, right. I, I agree. then that's up to me. I agree. I'm well, going into a football game. You got your cooler open saying, hey, you want to buy a sandwich? I bought beers like that all the time. Somebody want to sell me a beer for two bucks? I ran out of beer before I walked to the stadium. Right. <laughs> Need a I thought I could in. walk to the beer, in t- the stadium in two beers, and I couldn't. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. By the way, if you're a drinker, here's a little tip from me. If you go around asking to buy beer from people, they will always give it to you. Mm. I At think, a football stadium in particular? I think I've paid, or a concert, I think I've paid for one beer out of a thousand asks in my lifetime. Anybody want to sell me a beer? Ah, oh, hey, man, just have one. Every single time. Well, you're going to get plenty of drinking done if you go to a Niners game because you're parking four miles away from the stadium for 50 bucks. Is that one of the reasons nobody's going? That is one of the reasons. Mm. Uh, More coming up with the petering out on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the San Francisco 49ers kicked off their fourth season in their new stadium. So it's the new stadium, the $1.3 billion football stadium. Your Santa Clara 49ers. Which is the uh, most expensive stadium ever built. Fanciest ever built. $1.3 billion. It's only 36 months old. But anyway, uh, kicked off the fourth year of it. Hot weather, lousy football, and empty seats once again. And so they're looking at uh, uh, doing a fix to try to get more people to show up. A fix after only three years and $1.3 billion. You Mm. You would be hoping you wouldn't have to spend more money at that point. What's so the, early, what sort of fix do they mean? 
Well, they're, they're guessing. Fix uh, the damn team. They're, uh, oh, they're trying. They're reviewing a number of aspects of the stadium with the goal of enhancing the fan experience to investigate feasible solutions to address concerns regarding warm weather, um, which is part of the problem. It's 87 degrees at, at uh, game time, and I've never been to the stadium, but I understand on one side you're in the sun and sun beating down on you. Let me leap in here, Jack, as I have attended 49ers games. I've sat on the sun side. It's really, really hot there. Thank Back you. Back to you. Thank you. Yeah, you sit there suffering, thinking, why am I here? Why don't I go home and watch this on TV? This sucks. But wouldn't uh, wouldn't the Miami Dolphins or a lot of te- Of course, a lot of teams that, that play in hot weather have domes, don't they? Uh, yeah, some do. I don't, know, I don't know if that excuse works, though, the heat. And it's also possible to... Yeah, yeah, excuse for what? What do you mean excuse? For people not showing up. Oh. I don't think that's... I don't know if that's the reason people aren't showing that's up. That's part of it. I mean, because I've gone to games that were pretty damn well attended, and people cower in the shadows for as long as they can, or they watch in the concourse, because they, they got TVs and bars and chow mm-hmm. everywhere. So people go to the stadium and sit indoors and watch it on TV. Because it's a better viewing experience. Many, I mean, this is not a problem that's unique to the 49ers, and this is something that the NFL is one of the many problems they need to address is that the home the at home viewing experience has gotten so good it is no longer justifiable to go to these NFL games pay these exorbitant prices for for various reasons parking food beer tickets all that sure, stuff that's the way i feel I, last game i went to i vowed i would never go to another one unless the, there were special circumstances yeah well and it's a it's the it's the whole ball of wax right it's everything added together so you know if you have 15 different factors and you give them each 10 points, at some point you cross some sort of threshold level. Mm-hmm. How far you got to park? How far you got to walk from where you park? What did it cost to park? How long does the game last? How how good's the view? How hot was it? How expensive was the food? I mean, all of it adds up. Wow! So they're just trying to figure out how to get some shade. It's like the Simpsons when Mr. Burns was plotting to block out the sun. So they're going to get a sun blocker. It's very much like that. But, well, did somebody bring that up in a meeting long before they spent the $1.3 billion? Isn't that going to be awful hot over there? Shut up! How about you pass out sombreros? (laughs) Just an idea. (laughs) Let's hear our guest announcer. Wait, guest announcer, this is where you talk. They tooted your horn while tooting their own. Their horn balls, but nobody wants to wet their horn. Nine out of ten people surveyed say they have to take a cold shower after listening. They only peter out once a year, and today's not the day. Here's final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Wow. Nice nice natural echo there. (laughs) That's one of my all-time favorites. Some bathroom (laughs) reverb. (laughs) Final thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Come on now. Hey, uh, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Uh, Yeah, as of today, I will tell tell myself I don't need an Apple iPhone 6 or 10. Then I will see a co-worker with one, and I will sell my neighbor's lawnmower to get one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Marshall Phillips, final thought. Well, I'm going to be heading out to get a second opinion on uh, what I should do with my hernia. I've been getting a lot of tips. Uh, People have been tweeting me with uh, how to take care of a hernia, how to treat it, how to love it, how to live with it. But uh, today I'll find out a little bit more. One of these days I'll have to have my Armstrong and Getty show sports-related injury treated. (laughs) There's nothing to do with the show. I don't know what you mean. Positive Sean, your final thought. If you missed the Joey Gibson interview from earlier today and you're ready for some hate speech, just kidding, it was a very intelligent conversation about how neither of the political parties are serving a vast majority of the American population. I, I suggest you give it a listen. 
Very good. Jack is co-host. Your final thought? We have a number of people, including a close friend of the show, who uh, who went Android phone from the iPhone and swears it's the greatest. Mm. And I'm I'm tempted you know, with this new $1,100 phone coming out. I just don't know if I have the guts to switch everything over. He said it's a real pain in the ass. My final thought is a quote from H.L. Menke, as, as long as I had the uh, page open earlier in the show. The urge to save humanity is almost always a false front for the urge to rule. The claim that they're going to help humanity is almost always, behind it, the urge to get more power. Keep that in mind, won't you? Um, God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. We apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, you can see where it just snapped that whole thing off, killed her like that. He got that wing, he's coming down. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.